Christmas kitty brings you? A puppy. A kitty bringing you a puppy? Yeah. I don't know if she can do that. I believe in the Christmas kitty and her abilities. I don't know about a cat bringing you a dog. I think it's too big. Because even if it's just a puppy, it's probably cat-sized. True. She's just a little kitty. But she's magic. Is she? I thought she was. Well, she's like a ghost, I think. (laughs) I guess that's pretty magic. But I don't know if she has a magic bag like Santa does. I think she brings you more like something she can carry in her mouth. Like a dead mouse she could bring you. No, thanks. I hope she brings me an orange. (laughs) A fun-sized Snickers? She could probably bring that. I want a fun-sized O'Henry. All right, I'll let uh, I'll let the Christmas kitty know, and maybe you'll get it. Perfect. Well, welcome everyone to our. Is this our last episode of the year? Ho ho ho! That too, and it's very festive. Welcome to a festive episode of I Love This. You should too. My name is Indy, the Christmas kitty Randella. <laughs> I wish I was the Christmas kitty. That'd be a pretty sweet job. It would be, and I'd get to be a cat. Which I don't know. I think that's a lateral move for me. Is it? Probably. Okay. I'd probably enjoy it more. Yeah. But that who you hear meowing is my lovely co-host, Samantha Funsize O'Henry Randawa. <laughs> is that what I am? Yep. Oh, okay. Thought I was bigger than that, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, you're a fun size. Oh, okay. So that could be any size. What it, it can be any size that's fun. True. Very true. I'm not a fun size, I think. You are. No, I'm kind of average. I'm just like a little taller than average. No, you're fun. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> fun size Randawas. That's what they call That's us. That's us. That's what our family crest says. <laughs> it's going to now. Because <laughs> then they'll be like, but you guys are different sizes. Like, yeah, but we're both fun. Yeah. You tell me what size is fun size. Yeah, exactly. Mom. I assume you're angry at your mom in that. I don't think so. Probably not. But uh, let's get into it, I guess. Yeah, here we are. We're doing a Christmas episode, and it was my turn to pick the movie, so I picked the 2003 Japanese animated film from Satoshi Kon called Tokyo Godfathers. It was one that I'd seen a while ago, and I thought, you know what? I think that's actually a real good Christmas movie. And upon rewatching it, I'm not sure I love, love, love this movie, but I am very sure that, yeah, it is a very good Christmas movie, and it is very much a Christmas movie, more so than I even remembered. But the real test, though, Samantha, you've now watched this movie. Did you love it? I liked it. (laughs) You need to come up with a different way to say that. It It was good. You sound very unimpressed. It was like it was interesting and I enjoyed watching it, but I didn't love it. Just me. Just just it was okay. All right. Sorry. Well, see you I'm next year, everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I am excited to hear all of your hot takes about it though. Hot takes? I don't do hot takes. Yeah, you do? No. Yeah. Hot takes are the worst. Hot takes are things you say just to uh, like rile people up and cause trouble and that's how you get comments okay i have thoughtful and poignant takes okay i'm excited for your thoughtful and poignant i have cool takes Mm -hmm. and on this movie you know what i don't know that i do really i i don't have a lot of insight into meanings that are not on the surface Mm -hmm. because although i would say that this is a deeper and more complex movie than a lot of cartoons or christmas movies are I think what it is saying is on the surface, though. Yeah, I agree. Did you at least find it Christmassy? I did. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I think that the like story is really nice. Um, I liked the characters and how like much of like a group of odd people they were. Um, and I feel like they would be people who would meet. At like a homeless encampment and somehow get stuck together. And they did. Yeah. Well, let's go through it. Maybe we will. Maybe this will be a super short episode. Maybe. Probably not because I know I always say that and it never is. <laughs> but we are tired. So we got that going. Yes, we do. It is late. It's night. Oh, it's nine, nine o'clock, o'clock already. Yeah. 
And you need to get to bed at least. The kitty's coming maybe, so we have to get to bed. Well, it's not Christmas Eve. No, but like you never know when she's going to come. That's she, true. She's on her own schedule. Kitties are on their own schedule. It's like this entire week we have to be in bed so that if the cat comes... Do you have to be in bed for the Christmas kitty to come? I thought you had to be asleep and cozy. You had to be cozy? Yeah, I thought you had to be asleep and cozy. Oh, I never said anything about being asleep. I thought that was the rule. Cats love coming to awake people too. But they love sleeping people too. Yeah. They're more likely to jump on your head when you're sleeping, so that's good. But if I'm awake <laughs> and I'm just like, kitty, kitty, they might come on over. Oh, maybe. We'll see. But let's just talk <laughs> about it anyways. So let's start off with, where do you want to start? Do you want to start characters? Sure. Who was your favorite of the titular godfathers? I think I liked Miyuki the best. Miyuki. Let's start with her then. So Miyuki is a teenager. I think she's like 15, 16, somewhere in there. I think so, yeah. And she was born into a, I think it looks like a middle class family. Her father is a policeman. I'm not sure what her mom does, or maybe she's she never stays... really comes up. <laughs> yeah, we don't get to see a lot of Miyuki. She is kind of the exception to the rule of they have these stories of why they are where they are, and we get to see some resolution with the other two. Mm-hmm. But Miyuki, we don't really get that backstory until much later in. There doesn't seem to be a lot of lying mm-hmm. in her backstory, which a lot some of the other ones do. And we don't get the resolution. So she ran away after stabbing her father. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is a, a nice light Christmas comedy Just as totally well. totally light. But it is funny. It is a funny movie a lot of the I time. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I laughed a lot. But I think her reason for leaving is the same as the other three because she has she's done something that she feels guilty about and can't go back because of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, her whole story arc, because you don't really find out like what happened until closer to the end. But I, I found her like a really interesting character because she's got like a lot going on under the surface. Mm-hmm. And she... She seems very thankful for the little family that she has, even though she acts like kind of like an insolent teenager. I, I feel like it. they all do. And they've all kind of morphed into these roles of mother, father and sullen teen. Yeah. Even though that's I was going to say that's not what they are, but that is what they all wanted to be. Yeah. They all want family. It's like found the idea of found family. Mm-hmm. Which, which comes up so often on this, but this one yeah. more than a, a lot of them because that's exactly what they're going for. They all had families. Yeah. I it's interesting how each one of these characters is depicted because they all exist in in those gray areas. It's not one of those movies where it's these are complete victims and they're victims of, cir- of circumstance and that's why they are homeless and that's why mm-hmm. they're living the lives they live. It doesn't go that way, but it's also not a, oh, homeless people, you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's right. not that either. This movie is about all three of them have kind of a self-imposed exile. Yeah, They've all done something that they feel a lot of guilt about and that's kind of the reason why... They are living the life that they're mm-hmm. living now. But how each of them shows it is is a little different because Miyuki has done something and she is very straightforward with like, I stabbed my father and he'll arrest me. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure that it's the arrest that she's scared of. Though. Yeah, I think she's scared of facing her dad. Right. And like owning up to what she did. I think... That's a convenient excuse for her. I think so as well. I think think, that's something that she can tell herself and that she can tell others. So I guess, you know what? I I kind of am going to walk it back already. I was saying that she was the one that isn't lying about things, but she's perhaps the one who is lying to herself. Yeah. When we get the flashback for her, we see her... First, she's already talking about, oh, my mom is always praying to Jesus. She says she's... Always doing that and not paying attention to me. Right. And we get the, here, take this scarf that you never wore, the thing that I gave you. And you've, she thinks her father has gotten rid of her cat. 
I think is the thing that pushes her over the edge. Okay, yeah, yeah. Angel, Angel. the kitty. Oh, there, there's a Christmas kitty right in this movie. Yeah, they're everywhere. But is that true? I mean, is she really a teen who has been neglected by her parents? Or is she a 14-year-old girl who has blown things out of proportion? And Because the thing that we actually see her angry about is this scarf that her father didn't appreciate, which... Yeah, maybe it doesn't make you a nice guy or yeah. dad of the year, but uh, not worth a stabbing, no. I would say. No. And she thinks that her dad has done something to Angel. But Angel, in fact, had ran away and comes back. Yeah. Because we get to see that little newspaper that the father is putting ads in the newspaper saying like, come home, Angel came back, everything's fine. Yeah. Maybe not everything's fine, but we can, like, he's get through this. trying to get her back. So... Maybe even her in that scene of saying, you never care about me. It might be very much what so many kids are doing of my dad's at work. Like, oh, you don't care about me. Yeah. But that's, you know, you kind of blow things out of proportion when you're that age. True. A yeah. lot of people still do. And I feel like, yeah, that's an age where you're like all hormonal and like things seem a lot bigger than they actually are. Mm-hmm. Other than like stabbing someone. But. <laughs> Yeah, but she takes it too far. Perhaps yes. her parents weren't these these monsters that she yeah. made them out in her own mind. I wonder if it was her at the time overreacting to stuff or perhaps in her mind as things have gone on, being away from them, she's created the story about how bad they were. Yeah. To for her own sake, like the like what we were talking about earlier, that she's convinced herself of the lie. Right. I'm doing this because I don't want to be arrested. When in reality, it's it's the guilt she has. Yeah, she doesn't want to have to face her parents. And she was telling the woman that has uh, has the baby, the the Spanish woman, not Spanish, Spanish, but I can't tell the accent. It's South American, I believe, but I, I'm not good enough to be able to tell you what yeah. kind of Spanish that is. But when she's with that woman, she's saying, "Oh yeah, my mom was obsessed with." god and we think like oh yeah her mom is this uh, religious zealot or something but the scene we see is she's praying because like her daughter just stabbed her father yeah so maybe she's not even very religious at all but that would be a time where someone would do something like that yeah yeah so we don't get much of her story no but i enjoyed it and i like this part of it like parsing out well what is true because we know with a lot of these characters it's not clear cut and part of it is the stories that they tell themselves and tell each other to mm-hmm. to make it easier yeah but what about what do you think's going to happen with her i think she's going to like reconcile with her parents but she's also going to keep um the gin uh, and uh, hannah in her life i th- i think that's probably true as well Because when she is running up the stairs at the climax of the movie, and I guess we didn't say like, hey, spoilers, but you know, it's almost 20 years old and we analyze movies. So you probably- Yeah, that's what this podcast is about. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) When she's uh, running up the stairs at the climax of the movie to stop, uh, what's her name? Sachiko. Mm -hmm. Is that her name? Uh, Yes. Uh, To stop her because she has the baby at this point. She starts shedding layers like her first coat gets caught on the railing and she leaves it and then she's running up and she starts dropping clothes to make herself faster. Maybe she's overheating. But when she gets to the top, she's wearing, I think, what she was wearing as a kid in the flashback. She's back in her school uniform because that's what was underneath Uh, it. I kind of took that as a she is ready to return to that place. She's ready Uh. to give up this life. She's already talked about. I can go home whenever I want. Right. And she she could, but of course that was her own mental block that was stopping her from doing it. So I think that uh, clothing change was kind of a signifier of, you know what, she is ready to go back. Yeah. And her father doesn't come at her with any sort of anger. He's He's shocked. Yeah. It's not like a loving reunion or anything, but it may very well be in the next five seconds. Yeah, I think that he 
is just shocked that he like just ran into her like that, especially after like months and Twice months. Twice in of, a week. Yeah. And like months and months of putting ads in papers. And I'm sure because he's a police officer, he's like out on the streets and like looking for I'm her. I'm sure yeah. he's always looking for her. So it it was kind of a sweet little reunion. And you can definitely not fault him for being kind of overwhelmed in that moment. Sure. And maybe not being as like outwardly excited as he would be to have found his daughter. And look what his job is now. Yeah. He is trying to reunite lost children with their parents. Yeah. And that's all he wanted to. Oh, Christmas. Christmas. The magic of Christmas. We'll get into That'll be our next topic. Christmas magic. Christmas miracles. Because there's a lot of Christmas miracles in this movie. Yeah, there is. Let's go to, let's go to Gin next. Okay. So he's an interesting one because... We probably should have started with him because his is the easiest to read and the most basic, I think, at least. I might be wrong. I might just be missing a whole bunch. (laughs) But I like it that with all of the characters, there's no all good. There's no all bad. It's not just some weird circumstance. And it's not like they're bad people who deserve this, but it's a combination. They're not all entirely innocent either. And he's a good example of that. Because this movie doesn't really have a take on homelessness. It's weird to say that because that is at the forefront of this movie. But I don't feel like the movie has a take on a solution or a reason why it's saying like, this is the problem. The movie is kind of just saying talking about these three characters, I think at least. Yeah. Because each one of them is... I think I already said it, but it's self-imposed. And with Gin, it's really interesting because we get him justifying his bad decisions for a while. Yeah. He is not innocent at all. It's his it's his own fault. Yes. Yeah. He's in a problem of his own making. Right. Like a self-imposed exile. Yeah. And then he lies about it and he has this very sad story, which... The first time I saw it, of course, I believed it. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is someone who is completely a victim of circumstance, which is a very possible thing. That totally happens all the time. A lot of people are just bad luck. And that's, yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize that you are like three bad breaks away from being homeless. Yeah. So most people, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have many more safety nets and, you know, millions of dollars or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But he made bad choices and it was involving gambling. I believed that story that he told. Yeah. Did you as well? I did. Yeah, I did. Why would we not? Because it's like just sad enough of a story to be true. Mm-hmm. that he lost everything and then his wife and his daughter died and that's how he ended up on the street. So it's like it's like a believable lie. And I wonder if that was something that he came up with like over time because it seemed believable or if that's just what he came up with in the moment. I think he's been like Miyuki. I think he's been telling himself. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those lies that if you tell it often enough, you start believing it. And it's probably just a lot easier for him to go about his day-to-day life thinking that that guy screwed him over and that's why he's where he is now and not because he was gambling and then chose to leave his family rather than just talk to them and work through it together. Yeah. Yeah. And that is very sad that... He missed that much time with his daughter and that um, they were just out there the whole time. Mm -hmm. I'm sure looking for him in some way as well. Yeah, definitely. And that makes it like maybe even sadder. Yeah, I feel like and like I've never been in that situation, but like I feel like if someone leaves your life really abruptly like that and you have that like deep connection with them, like like a husband and a wife or like a father and a daughter, you're never going to stop looking for them even like just in the back of your mind yeah and i think his daughter says that yeah right that we i've been looking for you yeah so i think that again this is a another kind of story like kamiyuki's that there are people out there that want them they're just not available and it's i was gonna say it's not selfish but it is it is selfishness in a different way, because I believe with him, he is so 
embarrassed of yeah. what he has done. He feels like he is a, a disgrace. And then even when he meets his daughter, he can't look her in the eyes because mm-hmm. he's he's ashamed of what he has done. Yeah. But he doesn't realize, because he is looking just at himself, he's worried about how bad he feels. He's not realizing that what he is doing to them is worse. Mm-hmm. The leaving is worse than than the gambling. Yeah. Yeah. But I think this movie puts him on the right path as well. Yeah. I think it does for all of them because I think this is a feel-good Christmas movie. And <laughs> although it doesn't have a take on, on homelessness, I think what it is saying in a very Christmas movie way is that you always can make amends. You can always go home. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which I'm not sure it's something that... I fully agree with, but that is definitely the point of of the movie. And I think that is also in Hannah's story of, do you have more of a kin? Okay. And I think that's also in Hannah's story because you see her go back to this club angel. Is that what it is? Angel Tower? Angel Tower. That's right. I knew it was Angel something. There's lots of angels in this. Yes. Um, And the... Is that her mother or her old boss? I think that this is her second found family. Right. Well, th- I, that uh, Club Angel or Angel Tower, I think that's her first found family because she was abandoned at, at birth. She yes. never knew her birth family. So she only has found and created families. And I think especially in the trans or, or queer community a, as a whole, there's so much more reliance on that because unfortunately, like we all know, there is a lot of people who will not be accepting of that as in their family members. So they have to rely on created communities. It's not just a supplement or something they can fall into like with the rest of them. That's that's all she had. Yeah. So I think that that was a, you could say co-worker in a way or like club owner or whatever. But of course that is a community not just a place of business so yeah. that's why she's it's like her the mom. house mom yeah i think that's what they call them in like strip clubs and stuff like that house mom house moms yeah and they like take care of all the girls and in sororities and like sororities yeah yeah any place where like people work or gather or live without parents um but yeah i i really enjoyed that little scene where she comes back and she says like oh, yeah, we found each other. We've all been living in a cardboard box or like something. She intonates that she's homeless, basically. And she's like, oh, my God, like you could have always come home. And like you always have a place here and you and your friends are like you're safe here. Like you don't have to worry. And um, you can kind of see that go through Hannah's head finally. And she kind of accepts it that she's able to like they forgive reunite yeah so my question about her this one seems to be the most wrapped up one Mm -hmm. like we know we think we know what her life is going to be now and it's wrapped up pretty early but is it right so one thing that got me first that made me start thinking about it is she's coughing up blood and is sick yeah and we don't really ever talk about it we go like oh she got her medicine okay now we're on the what is, what's happening with her? Yeah, I assume it's like tuberculosis. Ooh. So then she's just like dead. Yeah. That's kind of what I assumed. That's grim. Yeah. But her partner who died. Yes. Do you remember what they said about him? No. The mom says, oh, he died? Was it AIDS? And she goes, no, he slipped on, slipped on a bar of soap. Mm. And I laughed at that because it was like... Oh, we thought it was going to be something serious, but then it was the silly thing. And now I'm looking at it like, oh, I think it was AIDS. I think it was AIDS. I think that was her, uh, like, just dismissing it. Maybe not dealing with the fact that she probably has AIDS, too. And that's... Yeah. Maybe that's why she's so ill. Yeah. That's my fear for that character, is that it was coded as she is dying of AIDS. Mm Mm-hmm. And that could be part of the reason why she left the club, too. That's my other thing. Because kicking a drunk guy, although, yeah, bad. Yeah. And maybe in a different business, definitely a fireable offense. Yeah. 
But in this world that she was coming from, where that was that was her family, she calls that her mom. Mm-hmm. I don't think, given her character, because Hannah like seems, I know she's just taking this baby yeah. and whatever. She's a reasonable person that can get along in the real world. Yeah. She's smart enough. She's clever enough. She's a, a relatively normal person yes. for this movie. She's a little wacky, but yeah. Yeah, sure. So I don't think that action, which seems kind of in character with her, mm-hmm. <laughs> kicking some drunk dude. Yeah. I don't think that is enough to make her feel so bad that she would leave the only family she's had. Yeah. I think it might be that it's the shame of, like, if being trans is stigmatized, being trans and having AIDS or HIV is is that much more. Yeah. So I think it's either the uh, shame of that or perhaps if she had it, gave it to her partner and he died, mm-hmm. the shame of that death being her her fault in her mind. Yeah. I know, like, we're reaching, because it doesn't really say any of that in the movie, but it doesn't say much for her. Yeah, yeah. And there is, like, a lot for you to just kind of, like, sit back and think about Yeah, on hers. Like, it's less obvious. It's just that the other two of them are choosing this penance, essentially, this mm-hmm. exile, for something that they think is a, a grave mistake. Mm-hmm. Gin gambled away his family's money and they might be on the verge of of homelessness. I'm not exactly sure. They definitely lost the shop because of him. So he thinks like they're better off without me. I bring nothing but misfortune. And he's a a bad gambler. He's very unlucky. (laughs) He always picks the wrong way of everything. Yeah. So he leaves. Miyuki has has stabbed her father. She's committed a violent act against him. So Hannah kicking a drunk customer who was being belligerent and frankly like the other people in the club would probably be on her side so it seems too much that it's just that that made her leave everything so that's why i think there's something else there and then the way she answered about how her partner died it made me think that it's something about that yeah yeah all three of them have very like heavy stories Mm -hmm. but i think hers hannah's is like the heaviest but like unless also, he actually fell on a bar of soap and she kicked a drunk and that's it that then that's not so heavy no but i i do think it is i think you're right i think it is more i think yeah and i think she ran away from the club because she didn't want to have to confess this stigma and like truth of her situation even though I'm sure her family there would have been happy to they are like, the people who take would, care of her. Yeah. Who would understand mostly. Yeah. 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 But really, a funny feel-good movie. <laughs> right? It is. It was, uh, yeah, it, it was definitely funny. I found myself laughing quite a few times. And um, yeah, the, this like odd trio of found family caring for a baby that they find in a garbage pile is like... It's pretty wacky. There's like, there's some fun moments that are like. There's a lot of funny jokes. I thought it was very funny. None of these people are equipped to have a baby, <laughs> like at all. And uh, you get some really like funny hijinks. And that's something that comes in movies a lot. Three surrogate parents who uh, get like saddled with a baby and then wackiness ensues. Yeah, that's a big trope. There's like the, the three godfathers was this old um, John Ford Western I think it's a play on the three wise men a lot of the time. Oh. And then there's like three men and a baby even. Right. Yeah. So it happens. It's been done quite a few times. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is my favorite of them though. I like it because usually it's just like men doing it. And it's like three men or like two men trying to take care of a baby. And they're like, oh, men are stupid. Yeah. (laughs) But like this is fun because you got like, uh, like, a trans woman, a man who used to be a father and like a teenage girl and like none of them have ever really dealt with a baby by themselves before mm-hmm. without someone who like knows how to deal with babies. So, yeah, this very easily could be a, a sitcom if yeah. it didn't turn into the kind of adventure that it, it turns into. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that we're not relying on the like classic men are stupid and like need women to take care of the children right. kind of trope. I'm going to go kind of backwards for a moment. Okay. You 
hadn't seen any animated Japanese films until we started this podcast. Yeah. And we've gone through a few, a bunch of Miyazakis, which you've loved pretty Mm -hmm. much all of them. Other than like Sailor Moon. Oh, right, right. That's like really the only. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. So still, uh, that's fantasy as well. Yeah. The Miyazakis we have seen are fantastic. Yeah. We watched some um, <laughs> Hosoda, uh, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, uh-huh. which I thought, well, I love that movie. And I was saying like, look, it can be other things as well, which it still has a big sci-fi element, but that is a very rooted in reality movie. Mm-hmm. When you heard Tokyo Godfathers, did you think it was going to be a crime yeah, I movie. thought it was going to be one of your 1970s, like, gangster movies. <laughs> Which you have not seen one yet, but you no, have a thing in your but mind. but I, like, sometimes you watch things without me, and yeah. I'm still in the house. So You're like, like oh, it's one of those. I'll walk by, and I'll see, like, 30 seconds of it and be like, yeah, one of those. <laughs> then when you heard it was Japanese and a cartoon, did you have some expectations going in that it would be more fantasy and that kind of stuff no i was really confused at that point because i didn't i said it was japanese a cartoon called tokyo godfathers and christmas yeah that's when i was like i don't even know like i think we just have to watch it because like i feel like there's no explanation of this that you could have given me without spoiling the whole movie that would have let me know exactly what this movie was if that makes sense like absolutely i just i kind of at some point just gave up trying to like piece it together it's in my mind because I was yeah. like, no, I just, we'll watch it. I'll find out what it is. <laughs> because this was one of the few things that's not either fantasy or sci-fi for animated Japanese stuff mm-hmm. that we've seen thus far. It seems weird kind of when the movie opens and they double down. They're like, this is just Tokyo. Yeah. It's not future tokyo it's not post-apocalyptic it's just tokyo and they really root you in the world i love the backgrounds of this movie and right at the beginning we get to see the shots of the city that's how it opens so it is rooting you right at the beginning saying like yeah i think you're probably expecting something more fantastic Uh and this is reality just it's just real tokyo and it's also not even the pretty parts? Yeah. Like, we get to see Tokyo Tower a bunch of times, and that's a big um, tourist landmark, but the neighborhoods they're in are not the ones usually depicted in movies. It's, yeah. It's, it's not the, like, the... gritty, dark parts of Tokyo where it's homeless that. people would be. And then sometimes it's the suburbs, which we also don't get to see in movies very often. Yeah. So it's a lot of the parts that you don't see. And then the movie also ends with shots of the city trying to like, this is a real world movie. It just yeah. happens to be animated. And I kind yeah. of about it. This could be a live action movie very easily. Absolutely. I hate when they remake things live action, but I would totally watch a live action of this. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be fun. It really would. Be. I think it would be a really easy movie to translate to live action without you wouldn't really have to change anything without like losing any of the magic of this movie mm-hmm. or lack of magic i guess because it's kind of not magic at all but it is yeah there's a lot of magic let's talk about some christmas magic perfect so this movie is very dependent on coincidences and signs and things like that and normally i chalk that up to bad writing when everything just works and like, they just run into the person they have needed to run yeah. into in a giant city. But this movie does it so often and then people are in awe of it constantly that it it makes me love it. I loved all of the, the coincidences and all the Christmas miracles. I think s- setting it at Christmas, then you're like, oh, that's not a coincidence. It's Christmas magic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this time of year, everything is Christmas magic. I love how right at the beginning, her wish, her Christmas wish is to have a baby. Hannah says like, oh, I wish I had a baby of my own. Four minutes later, baby. baby. There you go. (laughs) Wish granted. What was your favorite big coincidence? Did you have one that she loved? You start. One that uh, jumps out at me is Gin has saved 30,000 yen 
And this is going to be the gift for his daughter. He has so much guilt and he's just trying to do anything. All he really should do is just go to her. Yeah. But in his mind, giving this money that he has saved and worked so hard to save this much. Then Hannah is hospitalized and the fee is... 20 yen short of 30,000. Yeah. So all of that money is gone. And he's he's so, he's angry. He's distraught. He's he's very upset about this because now he has nothing for, for his daughter. And then, of course, who does he pay the money to but his, his daughter. His daughter. And it's kind of like his reward for the good deed of spending that money on Hana's health his reward is is reconciling with his yeah. daughter. He and also teaching him that it's not the money, it's you, it's mm-hmm. being there. That's what sh- your daughter needs. That's what she needed this whole time. Yeah, you can't go back and change that, but you can change it now. Yeah, and I love that little thing about thirty thousand yen. Yeah, yeah, I um, definitely think there were a lot of like fun coincidences in this movie i think um one of my favorite was when she's just like looking out the window on the train oh and she sees her dad and she sees her dad and her dad sees her like it happens to wake up because he looks like he's sleeping on the train yeah um he happens to wake up and the first thing that he sees is her and it's such a like magic moment of like right place right time even though it doesn't seem like the right place right now and it's also kind of a subversion of usually you would see something like that in a romantic Christmas movie yes. and it would be a reunion. But instead she jumps out the window and goes yeah, the other yeah, way. Yeah, which I thought was funny. But sets it up for later. Yeah. I love when they are searching for the couple that they think the baby belongs to and they just take shelter in a burnt out house to spend the night and then it happens to be their house. Yeah. That was a good one. How often they run into that cab driver or... When it's, uh, we'll decide which way to go by flipping a coin. And it's right because Hannah picks the right way. They go right. They find that Yakuza boss. They go to the wedding. They see the guy that gives the money to. And it really sets things off just on this flip of a coin. Yeah. Yeah. Finding that mafia boss. Is that what he? I assumed. I don't know if they ever say it, but I thought he was a, I like a Yakuza too. Guy, A Japanese mafia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that whole situation of like them going to the wedding and everything and then realizing, yeah, that it's the man that he owes money to and that um, and then uh, Miyuki is like kidnapped by the shooter. Right. And as Jin is going to beat this guy up, someone else shoots the future son-in-law. That part preventing him from like getting arrested and like yeah murdering yeah someone. really saves Gin there yeah that part I still don't know why like I don't know why that guy was shooting him yeah I don't really, we don't really get an explanation on that I, I guess assumed it's just it was just like crime related mafia stuff yeah I think that's <laughs> hashtag that's fair. mafia stuff <laughs> but um I I just kind of talked it up to that because I feel like. I have not seen very many mafia movies, but I feel like that's something that like happens. Sure. Rival mafia bosses are always putting hits out on other bosses. Sure. I don't know. That's it's just my very limited knowledge of mafia movies is what and I've gathered. <laughs> when the shooter is talking, he's much faster, so I couldn't understand yeah. his Spanish. But the the mom, she's slower and soothing and i could understand what she was saying but whatever she says doesn't really help us and to understand why that shooting yeah i couldn't really understand why that happened but i you know why it happened to get well that and to get miyuki in an environment of seeing what a family is like again and of course, another coincidence, both of their fathers are cops, mm-hmm. and then they bond over that, and then that makes her start thinking about her father again. Yeah, and this woman has her own baby, mm-hmm. and so she gets to experience a little nurturing for um, Kyoku, is that her name? Kyoko. Kyoko. Um, and I think that that was it. it was a sweet moment where everything kind of stopped for a minute for her. 
that could be a whole movie. That woman and her partner who's an assassin or yeah. something. And her dad is a cop. And like, what's her life? Why are they in Japan? What's going on there? Yeah. It's like not speaking any Japanese, it seems like. Yeah. Only like Spanish. And yeah, how did they get there? It's another movie. If they do a sequel, I don't need to know what happens to our main characters. I just want that side character yeah. to see what's going on with her. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Then there's all the angels that uh-huh. uh, show up. There's Angel Tower, Angel the Cat. Yeah, Angel Taxi Cabs. Oh, the the cab has the, yeah, Angel on it. And then that one line when that, I don't know what her job is, dancer or whatever, yeah. is dressed like an angel and asking like, do you want my angel magic or yeah. an ambulance? He's like, ambulance, please. And that she gets was mad. funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't exactly know what that even meant, but I liked it. He like clearly needed an ambulance. But if I saw what I think is a literal angel and they asked if I would like an ambulance or angel magic, I would choose the angel magic. Would you? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd take an ambulance. Ambulance, that's the the work of man. I, I want angel work. Okay. If I've been convinced, if I'm seeing an angel, I'm like, oh, shit, I've been wrong about everything. Angels are real. This is my uh, last chance. Okay, angel, let's go. <laughs> what do you got? Show me, show me the way. <laughs> that, yeah, I don't know. I guess I can see what you're saying there. But I also feel like if I had just been beaten almost to death by hooligans. I, I'm sure an angel could fix it up. Oh, probably. Or they take you to heaven, which... Maybe I'm not giving angels enough credit. If I saw a real angel, I'd be like, oh, okay, heaven's real. Yeah. My bad. I'm wrong <laughs> on that. But if I go with you, I get to go there? Deal. Done. Yeah, I'll go I'll go wherever with an angel. <laughs> Unless it's a, an actual biblically accurate angel. Right. Because they were scary. They're just wings and eyeballs, like thousands of eyes. That's right. You showed wingles. me drawings based on the bible yeah those angels are scary not your blonde halo feather wing kind of yeah if the angel looked like a a stripper like this one i'd be like yeah i'll go with that angel (laughs) either way you're gonna have a good time in some way true very true but yeah i maybe i just need to like consider my relationship with angels (laughs) yeah you need to consider your relationship with angels more often I thought I didn't have one, but if I met one, everything would be different. True. Like if I met Sasquatch and Sasquatch was like, hey, do you want me to get an ambulance or do you want to like learn about me? Sasquatch would be like, I, yeah, let's go with this whole Sasquatch then. (laughs) I would go with Sasquatch. You'd go with Sasquatch over an angel. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I'd go with either. Anything that uh, will inform me about life's mysteries I would take that over an ambulance. Hmm. Maybe I need to start thinking about angels like cryptids. Yeah, that's kind of how it is to me. Because I'm like, yeah, Sasquatch. I want to know about Sasquatch. But angels, I'm like, uh, I I tried the whole religion thing. Like, you've come from a life that there are people in your life who believe in it. Yes. I don't. So they're on the same level to me. Yeah. Okay. Although I'm, I'm more likely to believe in a Sasquatch because I could see that. Yeah. Because I like I gave religion a try as a younger person. So right. like and it wasn't for me. So I feel like anything to do with that. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to get mixed up with that again. I would go with whatever. If it was a Sasquatch, angel, leprechaun. If it's something that I didn't know was real and then it was real, yeah, I'll be your best friend now. (laughs) I, yeah, I would rather go with like an alien. Oh, see, that might be where I don't go. Oh. Because I think they might be up to no good. But if he talks to me and says like, hey, I'm going to help you out on my spaceship, then I would. But if it's just an alien that came and didn't say anything, I would uh, assume malice. Oh, okay. I think it might be up to no good. Huh. Okay. They could be troublemakers, those aliens. I just want to know more about aliens. I do too. But I'm also, for whatever reason, I guess I'm th- thinking too much about myself now. I kind of believe aliens are real. Uh-huh. So do I. And what I've heard is, isn't good. Uh-oh. 
right? Yeah, true. You're right. People who have brushes with angels, they're always like, oh, yeah, and then it was peace. People who have brushes with a- with aliens are like, oh, yeah, I can't sleep anymore ever because they haunt me all the time. Yeah. And also, I have uh, like warts all over me. Yeah. Or like there's unexplained metal in my body. Yeah, they're all like Barney Hill style. I don't want that. <laughs> Should we just talk about aliens versus angels? Now? Yeah, I think so. I, there, I have a lot of hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have an alien time. versus angels pre-episode <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of my instead band. of things of the week we're just gonna talk about aliens versus angels as in who would win in a fight or who would i rather meet who would you rather meet maybe some side information See, on them i think it's more likely that i meet an alien true but if you are saying aliens are 100% real, angels angels are 100% real, I would go with an angel because an angel by definition is benevolent. Right. So I'd go there. Yeah. That's why I'm not too worried about like not being super religious now because if God is like the end for us. Oh, you think he'd be cool with it? He's just going to forgive us. No. <laughs> so if then you're saying those like let's let's just stick with Christianity and not go all of if anything, I've learned <laughs> that is it. not a forgiving God. Oh, I just, I don't know. I assume that he would be forgiving. If that. he's willing to send unbaptized babies to purgatory, you think I got a chance? <laughs> I'd be fucked. I don't really know. I don't know. I shouldn't have gotten into this. I'm quickly <laughs> yeah. tiptoeing backwards you know away what? from this. Should we just stop? Maybe all this gets cut. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> But let's go. Let's just go back. Okay. And then off air, we will have an aliens versus angels debate. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Great. Um, Christmas miracles and uh, babies. Uh, the three Kyokos. Yeah, that was a fun one too. That was a fun magical little thing. And then he Kyoko, the littlest one, is a Christmas magic baby. And of course, there's all these like yeah, Jesus parallels. Sure, that's all there, but. The real magic this baby does is the baby is what leads them all to their reunifications with their families. Yeah. What a magical baby. The baby first starts making them a family. Yeah. Really solidifying that they are the found family, but then also leads them to their their previous families too. That's, and that's the real Christmas miracle. That's so nice. It is. Must have been an, an alien, that baby. That baby was an alien. <laughs> Did you see any fun uh, kind of Christmas references, whether it's to other Christmas movies or just Christmas tropes? Is Japan like Christian? There are Christians there. I don't have the numbers on it, but okay. I don't I... think it's the main. I think there's more Shinto and Buddhism and okay. then probably Christianity. That's what I thought. I just thought it was really interesting that there was like like Christmas, Christmas stuff in there. They had a, so much of a longer period of isolation because I, I know a lot about Korea, but yeah. Korea didn't have that same isolationist period. So there's a lot more Christianity in Korea than there is in Japan, I believe. But this is all me just like, well, when I was there, this is how it kind of felt. <laughs> I know they do love uh, KFC on Christmas. Oh. That is kind of the, the thing in Japan. That's funny. Yeah. They, yeah. Christmas dinner is fried chicken. Huh. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like turkey dinner more, but right. um, I like the idea that you just have KFC. <laughs> but uh, in modern times, I feel like so much of the world is kind of Christmas. Yeah. Even if it's not baby Jesus Christmas. True. It is Christmas, like Santa Christmas. Yes. And I just thought it was really interesting that there is like certain actual i was thinking it was like very western style christmas at the beginning of the movie well at the beginning they're straight up in a church yeah and that the irony there wasn't lost on me about the preacher talking about all of you who have no homes you have a home in jesus and then it cuts to them being you know homeless waiting in line for food yeah so it's kind of like i don't think it's taking a shot at religion but it is taking a shot at people who preach but don't practice right Right. everyone's all about um the spirit of giving and everything but like yeah but not to them (laughs) there's a lot of that here i know yeah um but yeah christmas stuff in it my favorite one was when gin meets the ghost of christmas future when 
So the old man he meets. <gasps> right. Yes. That's him. That's him. They're wearing the same clothes. And he says like, you know what? I'm a lot like you. I'm like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> I thought that was a bit of a Christmas carol nod with the ghost of Christmas future that if he does not reconcile with uh-huh. his family, this is where it will take him. I didn't catch that, but I totally agree now. And one of the saddest parts. Well, first we get the saddest part and then the funniest part because he gives him his belongings. The old man gives Gin his belongings and says, take this. And I'm not sure if the subtleties of that were lost, but a lot of them, this movie is about the shame that you've brought upon your family. And I don't want to generalize like, oh, Japan, it's all about honor and stuff. Because I think that's a very westernized take. But it's also like rooted in truth a good bit too. But the old man says, take this. Don't let anyone know who I am. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want his death getting back to his family because he's ashamed of like he died in this little hovel, Mm -hmm. right? And he doesn't want anyone to know about that. So he gives all of his worldly possessions away so he won't be identifiable. Right. Which is so sad. That's super sad. But then they have that joke about he dies and all the wind stops on all those um, windmill type things. Yeah. And Gin goes to put his eyes down and then he opens his eyes wider and gets like scared, of course, and goes, you know what? Maybe just one more drink. So they did a fake out death in this super sad scene. Yeah. that That's the balance of this movie. It's very sad a yes. lot of the time, but very funny a lot of the time, too. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite the ride. So I kind of took that as uh, if you don't change your ways, this is your life. Yeah. Because he's already falling into that of not wanting to bring shame upon his family. And that's why he's here. But that's not that's not the right choice. No. Whoa, man. In that bag was a lottery ticket. Yeah. With the very bizarre number of one, 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 one. <laughs> and later on, we find that the winning lottery ticket number is that one. Is that one. Yeah. And that's on New Year's Day. Hence all the ones. Right. If you look back at things like when they're in the taxi on uh, Christmas Day, the taxi fare is like 1225 and stuff like that. There's little numbers that are related to Christmas throughout the movie. And then the other big number that they show is the lottery ticket, which is, of course, about New Year's. Because I think it takes place from Christmas Day to New Year's Day. Oh, yeah. Huh. Maybe you could even look at it as... What happens with Miyuki is kind of a bit of a ghost of Christmas past for Gin. Like she is at that crossroads that he was at at one point and she has the ability to make a different choice. I think that's more thematic than actual ghost of Christmas past or whatever. And then there is uh, Sachiko on the bridge and all the angel stuff, which is kind of uh, it's a wonderful life. Someone jumping off a bridge. True. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like hidden things in this movie, and I like that. And I think there's so much more in the backgrounds that I couldn't catch, especially if you could uh, read Japanese, you'd probably see a lot more. True. Yeah, because I feel like we missed out on all the notes and stuff in the torn down house. Some of it, like there were subtitles for it, but because there's so much, you can't. I get feel it all. like you need to be able to read the language yeah. in order to get everything off of the screen. Because there were parts that were like newspaper that only like the main headline was translated for us. Right. So I feel like some of the little things on the sides of the newspaper or like on the bulletin board and that kind of thing are important too, or may just like back up what we've been saying. The only one that I caught in the subtitles was first there's the letter about the baby and then the newspaper that is on the ground there is talking about how people are abandoning babies. Yeah. Which, people yeah, still abandoning babies. <laughs> They're still doing it. Still. And maybe the only other character that we really have much for is Sachiko. Yeah. That woman who, again, it's so sad. She Super sad. has led a, a rough life, yeah. it seems like. And then she loses her baby and in kind of in a moment of insanity goes and kidnaps this other baby. Yeah. And she's not well. She's seeing things because we have that kind of funny but uh, weird scene where she sees the baby talk to her. Yeah. And And then her takeaway is I want to be reborn 
in death and yeah. she tries to kill herself and this baby or there's that scene where she's on a um teeter-totter is that the word yeah or like rounder round 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 yeah, wasn't it like a spinny thing? No, it's like the up oh, and it's down. a teeter totter. Teeter totter. Yeah, teeter totters. You can't find them anywhere in Canada. No. In Edmonton, I was looking. This was almost twenty years ago. I was trying to shoot this one scene for a movie where Too dangerous. Yeah, you can't find them anywhere now. Shatter your pelvis. I guess. <laughs> um, but she's on that teeter totter. First of all, being alone on a teeter totter, sad. Yes. And that's what it was supposed to be in this movie that I was going to make. Um, but then she is trying to feed the baby, but she's not, she can't. Yeah. That's so sad. And the fact that she's doing it because she just lost her baby. And when it's compared to that really warm scene with mm. the mom who's feeding the two babies in that one apartment, it, it's that much sadder. And she's talking to this child. And yeah, that was a real sad that scene. I was really sad. She's like begging this baby to like breastfeed yeah but then maybe she gets a a bit of a happy ending in the end Mm -hmm. who knows what's gonna happen well clearly she's gonna go to prison or Mm -hmm. a psychiatric institution or something but there is a bit of a reconciliation because her husband now has kind of seen the error of his ways because he was a real dick too to him you know what it is to him gin is the ghost of christmas future yeah That's his past. That's the ghost of Christmas past for him. Now I see it. He convinces that uh, boyfriend or whoever to change his ways because he's like, yeah, I was there. I was the gambler who abandoned my family just like you and you need to do something better. Yeah. Oh, so there is a ghost of Christmas past. (sighs) And it works. It does. So I guess that boyfriend is the real Scrooge. True. He gets the chance to change things before it goes too far. Although they did kidnap that baby already. So I guess Mm. it went pretty far. It was a little too far. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, even Sachiko wasn't a complete evil. Like everything, every character has a lot of nuance in this movie. And when she's telling her the story up on the rooftop, you feel for her too. Or at least I did. Mm Mm-hmm. But I liked how Miyuki's like not having it. She's like, well, fuck you. Why you got to take this baby, though? That's not... Yeah. Which, fair. Yeah, exactly. It's like the old saying about your mental health. It is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. That baby was really cute. That was a good baby. Like for an animated baby. Yeah. Very well done. Especially when it talked. Yeah. That was weird, but yeah. The cat, too. That was a good, cute cat. Angel the Cat? Yeah. Or that one scene where we get a glimpse of what Miyuki could be in the future when she has all those cats around her and Uh she's like a crazy cat lady. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that about brings us to the end, right? I think so. There's only one other thing I wanted to mention is we listened to the English dub for the most part. Yes. And it's a newer dub. There's two of them out there. And I think lots of the language around Hana has changed over the years. Oh. Because I believe originally she was depicted as a drag queen rather than a trans woman. But I think how it plays to audiences now or perhaps Western audiences, I think, though, just current audiences, they've leaned more into her being a trans woman. I can see how, like, wording even in the last, like, five years has changed. Mm -hmm. And the way that we speak and, like, the verbiage that we use has changed so much that that's nice to hear that that's kind of updated a bit. Yeah, and also just to make it more clear, because I think a lot of people have a unfortunate tendency to conflate uh, drag and transsexuality and... Yeah. And homosexuality altogether when they are all separate things yeah they can go together all right any last thoughts on our final christmas movie of the year just that i'm sad that it's almost over christmas or this movie christmas oh yeah well it's not though just for you in the listening world we however still have another week of christmas yes because we are recording on december 18th we're only going to start going hard now for christmas yes it's the week indy thought we were still like uh, like two weeks out it snuck up on me i said yeah when we have people over on sunday and indy's like this This week (laughs) 
Christmas. <sighs> Christmas. Any uh, final thoughts, Samantha? Just um, have a Merry Christmas. And I hope the Christmas kitty brings you what you dreamed of. Awesome. I kind of meant about the movie, but that's oh. even better. <laughs> I was just wishing our listeners a nice Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, about the movie, I think that I like it the more we talk about it. We rewatched a little right now just before the podcast to kind of freshen things up in our minds. And watching it, knowing the ending and knowing the character arcs makes it better. Yeah. Like you don't get the surprises, of course, but you appreciate so much more of the character building that's happening earlier on in the movie. And I think it's just a good Christmas movie because Christmas movies are about having a perhaps simplistic, Mm -hmm. but a heartfelt message in one way or another. And this movie is just all about forgiveness and knowing that whatever you have done you have the ability to make amends for it yeah and for one of the movies we do on this podcast i might in the past say like that's pretty simplistic it's kind of painting with a very broad broad (laughs) brush but it's a christmas movie and you forgive those things a lot more. And for a Christmas movie, this is very nuanced because, well, we talked about how complex all the characters are. There's no real black and white. It just has that kind of warm Christmas feeling at the end, though, of no matter where you've gone and what you've done, you can try to make things better. And you should. Yeah. And that's a great message to go out on, I think. I agree. So Merry Christmas. Have a... Happy Hanukkah, a solemn and respectful Ramadan, and oh. a tip-top tet. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. Ho, ho, ho. Love it. What's a tet? <laughs>